Patreon. Welcome. In case you forgot, it is In Screaming Color, Archers After Dark, Shooting the Shit. Um, hello. So, what? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember how to record Madison. anymore. <laughs> like, today we're going to be talking about something that's a very main feed archers. We're going to be doing a classic literary deep dive into some of the most incredible poems of our generation. Yes, written by one of the most incredible poets of our generation, Dr. Taylor Swift. A queer icon. A yes. queer icon, exactly. <laughs> queer a queer icon. icon, advocate, activist, um, social justice, ally, ally to the queer community. Um, Taylor Allison Swift, Dr. 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 Taylor Allison Swift. <laughs> also known as Neil Schnoberg and William Bowery and Willem Bowery. Truly known as Willem Bowery, um, according to the U.S. Copyright Office. Yeah, we're going to be talking about her rep poems. But before we can go into her poems from Reputation, we have to go back to the source. Little baby Taylor, who won first place in a national poetry competition with one of her poems. And we'll be reading two of Taylor's childhood little baby poems. And the one that she won the uh, national award for was when she was in the fifth grade, which is actually kind of insane. That is insane. Like, that's the kind of thing that makes my gifted child feel so jealous. Like, my little gifted child deep down. I'm like, wow. I may have been special, but I was not Taylor Allison Swift special. No, yeah. That's that's exactly it. My inner child is like, I wrote poetry and never won an award. What exactly. the heck? <laughs> uh, Taylor really though. is the rare... Oh, yeah. So now that I'm 30... <laughs> I'm so happy for this fifth grader. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It really goes to show that Taylor is what happens when the gifted child becomes like the um, protege. Not protege. What is the, like a wonderkind? Um, Um, Like a golden child. Like. Golden child. Like the prodigy. Yeah, that word. Prodigy. Thank yeah. you, Prodigy. So, yes, like, Taylor Swift's transition from gifted child to Prodigy. And congrats to her. She is truly one of the only, like, child stars and, like, prodigies that has made it into her 30s and, like, seems to have everything going okay. Who knows the reality, but... Her career's going well. That's what we do know. To be sure. Yeah. To be sure. Yeah, as a former gifted... She is the music industry. Exactly. She's the music industry. It it worked out Mm -hmm. some way. Um, We don't know how her Mm -hmm. mental health is doing, but how's anyone's, you know? Um, Exactly! As she said, I had the shiniest wheels and now they're rusting. It's hard to be a gifted kid. And I feel like that's part of what she means when she's like... I never grew up, you know, like it's getting so old. Like I never grew up on Peter Pan. Da, 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 da. It's like, yeah, when you're a gifted kid and you never burn yourself out, you burn yourself out as an adult because you're still living up to your gifted kid expectations. You never had it shot down. You never hit that wall. 
Um, I love that you quoted her as saying, I am Peter Pan. Because, of course, I know you're referencing <laughs> Peter losing Wendy. Yeah. But I just realized that, like, you know how the original lyric was Peter leaving Wendy? Yeah. And then it was changed in the final Peter to Peter losing, losing Wendy, yeah. which is literally opposite. Yeah. To lose something as opposed to leave something. Yeah. So I do feel like when she transitioned it from leaving to losing, she was like, I am Peter Pan in this sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I am the one that still cannot grow up mm-hmm. and I'm being left behind. Exactly. That's why I assume she was Peter because of that lyric change. Yeah. And just because she doesn't Exa- grow yes. up and whatever. And because Peter Pan was queer. Like, I'm pretty sure... I think it was a girl that played the part for Peter Pan originally, like, in the yes. original Fa- Yes. Famously, girls always play Peter Pan. Yeah. Ah! Mm, so good. I love that. I love that connection. Me that reminds too. me of the Little Mermaid um, connection that we had made, too. Yes! And the same so- with the archer, too. Just that idea of, like, fairy tales being stuck in this, like, s- like very saccharine sickly sweet imagination world and the like very real world trauma that that translates into like things aren't as like Like the detriment of living in fantasy like that Uh, so let's just jump right into her childhood poems yeah speaking of like fantasy and all of that um so this poem exactly. is the one that she won the big award for. Um, it's called A Monster in My Closet! Exclamation point. Which, already, the title is very queer. I've seen this in the Gaylor Reddit before. I think that's where I saw it first. Yeah. And Ira just remember everyone in the replies was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this bitch yeah, has been gay! <laughs> and she don't even know it, probably. <laughs> exactly. I mean that's the thing like let's see in fifth grade she would be like what like very early that's like 1999 1998 so truly 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 like the wherewithal that a fifth grader in 1998 would need to understand that they like their sexuality to any degree mm-hmm. straight or queer any, yeah yeah no <laughs> yeah any like sexuality is so complicated and like mm-hmm. i truly don't under don't know what i would have done if i didn't have the internet at that age you know yeah yeah so like she probably did have the internet to a degree a little yeah but not that much i couldn't see her consciously knowing that she was like queer in any way at this point but i could see her in a lot of ways as queer kids do, like, identifying with the queer themes of being stuck in the closet and feeling trapped and, like, her, like, the song Invisible and, like, you know, that type of vibe, that those themes of queerness that are, like, feeling trapped, isolated, yeah, that different from everyone. They feel inherent. Like, there's a reason why the term in the closet was created. It's because, like, that's how many of us feel, you know? Like, trapped in this, this, like, you know tight confined small area of course that makes sense but also just the idea of a closet it's like where the things you 
you show the world to are kept. And where they're just hanging. You go to your... Where they're just hanging. It's like... No. No, exactly. It's like that aspect that you're trying to show is being kept away in, in like a darkened space. And there's a monster in my closet. It's like that space that I return to every day where I keep so many of my precious things is being haunted by a monster and like what what that means. It just it makes me so sad for this little baby that wrote this. It really sounds like a grapple with gender identity when you put it that way. Like, because I think of clothes as more of a gender expression than anything else, personally. So when I think about a closet and, like, the things that go in there, the things that I show the world and how I present myself, and there are a monster being in there, it's like, all of these clothes are haunted by, like, this idea of me that I have that I don't actually want to wear. Like, they're just there and I put them on when I put them on and there's a monster in there with them so I just I totally catch that vibe too and also just being a sag like the idea of being in the closet I remember as a kid I would always feel like I was claustrophobic in a way like growing up in a small town that idea of claustrophobia and being like oh like I'm stuck in this place like that type of sag vibe too is there for me um this poem also gives a pretty good case that Seven is about her in some way. Like, she's mm-hmm. the kid with the haunted house um, hiding in the closet. Oh. You know? Yes, of course. Of course. Like, picture her revisiting this poem while she's writing folklore as she's revisiting the rest of her writing and stuff. Um, but that also makes me sad because as we read this, if you try to envision it in kind of a similar story to seven it's really sad to think about that the monster could potentially be an abusive parent or um something like that too you know it says there's a monster in my closet and i don't know what to do have you seen him has he ever pounced on you i wonder what he looks like is he purple with red eyes i wonder what he likes to eat what about his size tonight i'm gonna catch him i'll set a real big trap then i'll train him really well he'll answer when i clap when i looked up in that closet there was nothing there but stuff i know that monster's in there i heard him huff and puff could it be he wants to eat me maybe i'm his favorite tray and if he comes to me to get me i'll scream loudly go away if he's nice i'll name him happy if he's bad i'll name him grouch i suspect that he is leaving but if not, I'll kick him out. I, it, first of all, v- a very good poem. Like, a truly a very good, solid poem that, like, if an adult wrote this, I would be like, oh, this is a poem for children written by an adult. Like, this is a good, solid poem that makes emotional sense for being a child. And it would ex- like expresses something about like the kind of loneliness and curiosity of being a child, because that's like my main my main takeaway from this is how fucking lonely she sounds. Like she is just alone in her house. <laughs> she has a monster in her closet. She's like a homeowner that has to figure out what to do. She's a homeowner. 
<laughs> Taylor as a fifth grader, like yes. sold sign, sold over the the for sale sign. Yes, standing in the house. Being She's like, like what okay, am I I've... supposed to do with this thing? Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I have a monster. What am I gonna do with it? And and it's like there's just so much ownership over it that like you know it, it truly it's like the adults in her life do not exist. And it's a it's a kindness that she approaches the monster with and sees him as too because she's like, I wonder what he looks like. I wonder what he likes to eat. Like, but then she's like, I'm gonna trap him. I'm gonna I'm gonna catch him. But it's because she wants him to be her friend. Because she's like... If he's if he's nice. Exactly. It, could it be that he wants to eat me? Like, what if I'm his favorite meal? Like, da 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 but His favorite if, tray. His favorite tray. Exactly. I will say that is my favorite line. Because it's so... Like, that is the only line that she shows that she's a fifth grader in it. Right. Because she's like, what's a different because I word for meal? Word. She's like, yes, I go to lunch and I get my tray. It's like a tray, a meal. My favorite tray. Like, that is the one time that the pretentious fifth grader comes out. And the rest of it is not a pretentious fifth grader. It's a fucking adult writing for kids. I agree. She's like, what's a synonym yeah. for meal? Um, yes. Yeah, so I just... There's just, like, it is very playful. It's very playful and... I, she just sounds like such a like. I love that you said it was like um, could be like a manifestation of like gender anxiety. Yeah, when I read like, it, I was like, this makes even more sense <laughs> because she sounds so. There's just such a tomboyishness about young Taylor that we've witnessed, like the screaming tantrums very much something associated with boys like little boys like girls are always told to just be like quiet and like pretty and nice but like she is swinging on tire swings like getting muddy getting dirty like screaming playing pretend like talking about monsters like it's not very young lady like to talk about monsters like, in fifth grade, you're almost at the point where you're supposed to be talking about, like, you know, very traditionally feminine things, like flowers. Like, why isn't it about a lovely, like, Mary Oliver observational poem? Like, no, it's about a monster in your closet. It's a very tomboy aesthetic. And it's fiction is what interests me the most, too. Oh, yes. She... Loves to pretend uh. that she was never a fiction writer until folklore. When she's mm. been writing fiction her entire career, she is a fiction writer. Like, yeah. it was never... It wasn't always based off of personal experience, a autobiographical mm-hmm. lens on her her personal experiences. Of course, that's laced in there, just like with this poem it is. But, like, she's been a fiction writer since fifth grade, you know? Like... Yeah. I love that. I'm glad you pointed that out. Right? Like, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was really interesting because when I was writing poems in, like, the fifth grade, it was very literal to me. And maybe it was just because of how I was oh, as yeah. a kid, but it was very much like, mm-hmm. what do I have going on in my life that I can write about? I was never like, I'm going to make up a story about a monster in my closet. You know what I mean? Like, that's a level of I really do. Imagination. I really do. 
Yeah. And the metaphor. Like, she's had, she has grasp on metaphor. And, like, you know, I really would love to hear... I really wish that someone had interviewed her in fifth grade after she won this award. Like, what does this poem mean to you? Because I would love to hear if it was, like, you know, a metaphor for meeting someone new. Like, you know, about, like... um uh, being like afraid of like I don't know it just could read as so many different metaphors for like being afraid of the un- like curious about the unknown and why you should meet the unknown with curiosity and that's exactly what it is pure curiosity because it's both he could be good or bad she's like I'm just curious in general I'm not curious about specifically if this monster is good or bad I'm just curious because I can't make the judgment yet which is also interesting to be able to be that young and hold space for both that this monster might be good and could be my friend. I know. You know? So impressive. So, so, so impressive. And very Sagittarius of her. Mm-hmm. Very Sag. I almost feel like it could be about... When you said meeting someone new, it reminded me of like the way that she's talked about kind of feeling isolated from kids at school and not really having like a friend group growing up and stuff and maybe the idea of like meeting new kids at school is like a monster like if they're nice to me I'll I'll be happy and I'll hang out with them but if they're going to be mean and I'm their favorite meal then they want to eat me and chew me out and spit me up then like I'm going to name them Grouch and I'm going to stay away and I'm going to kick them out like and that's the other thing the poem ends with her saying I hope he's leaving soon if not I'll kick him out so she ends the poem being like he shouldn't be here regardless. Yeah. Yeah, real tough guy little moment. Right. And if it's a metaphor a real for queerness. Like, put him up, put him up. If it's a metaphor for queerness, she's like, it's not good or bad, I don't care either way, get it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Truly a beautiful poem, though, for a fifth grader. I can't get over it. So beautiful. No, this is a really beautiful poem for a fifth grader. And also, like, I would love to, like, it's a beautiful poem for literally anyone, any age. It's just a children's poem. You know what I mean? So this one she wrote a little bit older. 2001. So that means she was in sixth grade or seventh grade. Yeah. It says fifth grade in the... Um, description of it. Oh, and it's oh, you're really right. Interesting, because there's a TikTok comment also posted on this website that says, "My mom taught Taylor in fifth grade, the same year she was pregnant with me, and Taylor wrote a poem called Lindsay Clare, my name, and it's about me, and that's what this poem is called, Lindsay Clare, and it's a poem." Taylor wrote (laughs) I know she wrote it for her fifth grade teacher who was pregnant okay Uh, the thing about this poem the way that it reads the backstory of it the fact that it's named Lindsay Clare the fact that we have a little like this poem was written about me I'm Lindsay Clare it's giving Emily Dickinson to the nth degree like oh this God, is I didn't even think about that. This is truly something from like Victorian times where it would be like this famous author was a prodigy and like this is the little poem she wrote 
when she was young that like are like treasured now you know what i mean like this is like famous author shit Mm -hmm. and just the way that it's written like her parents had to have known no for sure she was like this prodigy writer absolutely I mean, that's why she got signed as a songwriter when she was 13, because she was writing like this when she was 10. Yeah. So, Lindsay Clare. Smiling in the sunlight, her eyes were open wide. A kind and thankful mother was sitting at her side. Her head was full of wonder. Her heart was full of love. This baby must be what God called a gift from up above. With skin as soft as satin and wonders of the world, unique and special she will be, a lovely, gentle girl. I thank God now for making her, and with the world he'll share, a precious little angel with the name of Lindsay Clare. She is literally so smart. I love this little baby. I want to protect her from all the horrors of the world. And she literally like, okay, I don't know what your thoughts are on like past lives, etc. But this makes me be like, fuck yes, Emily Dickinson is her reincarnated. Like, obviously her and Emily Dickinson are the same soul. And her being younger, she was, like, able to tap more. Like, she was drawing on her reserves when she was younger. And now she's, like, honed her craft even more. And I know it sounds like I'm saying Taylor Swift is better than Emily Dickinson. (laughs) But it's like, no, she just found her own voice. Like, and Taylor's now, like, doing her own voice. But, like, even... A different lifetime. But, like, back in 2001, when she was 12, like, this is truly deeply, like, this is Emily Dickinson coming through. I I just can't, like, both of us are poets, so this has been such a long episode coming. But, like, literally as poets, do you know how many fucking poems I read and I'm like, these aren't good? Like, I feel like 90% of poems that I read are not good. And this is so good. Yes. Even for an adult. And this is written by a child. exactly right. And, like, even the rhyming, like, was was balanced enough that it wasn't, like, too rhymy or too songy or anything. And the perfect rhyme at the end, like... Yes. Exactly. Ending it with a solid A-B-A-B at the end is so smart. Because it just really... So satisfying. Like, you know, basically the way that a sonnet would end with a couplet is like truly the same idea that she was giving. You know, like she used soft rhymes the whole time and then finishes it off with a hard rhyme. So it doesn't actually follow like the rules of a sonnet ending in a couplet, but it's the same vibe. Yes, you're so right. It like wraps it up. Yeah, exactly. Especially because... It's also so interesting. 
like her maturity which we already talked about with the last one but this one even too it's like her understanding of like a mother having a baby and like the her understanding of a a human being brought into the world do you know what i mean like yes i do that's just a lot of understanding of like life in the cycles of life do you know what i mean Ugh. completely no i completely know what you mean to i think capture what... that i don't know yeah it's really stunning like it's very very impressive like again like if i read this poem from a 12 year old that like i taught or like knew in some capacity i'd be like holy shit you have a prodigy on your hands <laughs> like it exactly. makes sense why it. it makes sense why she is where she is you know what i mean like her yeah. talent is not overrated like her talent is truly not overrated the problem with it all is that she because she was wealthy and like came from money and is a white cis woman like that is why she's been able to climb the the, the like that is why mm-hmm. she's been able to allow her ta- her natural talent to blossom but yeah, the natural exactly. talent is there it is there mm-hmm. i truly believe with my whole heart even when i was like in my hater phase for taylor mm-hmm. i still believed in my whole heart that she was like one of the only artists that was like born with a natural natural talent to just do it because uh, so many of them are like just like nepotism babies yes but which is fine be a nepotism baby but like have yeah, something fine. have a talent you yeah. know yeah at least she had that yeah and that's something no. no one can even like deny either exactly exactly yeah i mean her little thing in her graduation speech about like going from coffee shops to now in like to madison square garden i don't i don't think that's what she said but like that is kind of her narrative you know from coffee shops to madison square and like i i love that's that's true and i love that for her I think the line in these poems yeah in these two in particular um, my favorite verse is definitely with skin as soft as satin and wonders of the world unique and special she will be a lovely gentle girl like I that was also mine it's just so beautiful like wonders of the world how does she understand the gift of motherhood? <laughs> I know. Like the like, gardens of Babylon? Yes. Oh, Madison. Madison. She's been talking about and the wonders, wonders of, of the, the world. world. Oh, uh, God. Days like this, I'm so happy that she's the one that we have a podcast about. Yeah, same. Why didn't we do this sooner? I know, but better late than never. Honestly, I feel like it came to us now because we needed it more than ever. 
So true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to read the four words of her albums for an episode. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because they're like declarations. Like the reputation. Mm-hmm. I think they all had one, right? I think so. Yeah, because, um, well, I mean, it depends on what you call a foreword, because obviously 1989 has the like little secret, like, phrases you know yeah. like she lost herself yeah they all had the secret <laughs> thing but she found <laughs> oh she yeah. lost she lost him but found herself and that was everything <laughs> right <laughs> uh, i don't the, know if she like diana agron look alike on the beach <laughs> like <laughs> oh my god no (laughs) if you haven't watched the out of the woods music video lately (laughs) the end looks like miss diana absolutely Um, but yeah i'm happy that i read these i had never read the Lindsay claire one but that was cute yeah very cute So where are we zooming to next? She writes about more than her boyfriends. Yeah, Um, she writes about the wonders of natural birth. Exactly. (laughs) She writes about closeting. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Exactly. So I'm trying to decide if if we should do the poems from the rep magazine or mm-hmm. the poem from British Vogue, which was in the rep era, which was very like seven husbands oh. of Evelyn Hugo um, vibes. Which came first? I believe British Vogue. I think we should do that one then. That one was also public. The other one was just like in the magazine. right? So oh, like, I love that then. It. I love that. So this one was in British Vogue, and it's called The Trick to Holding On. Um. And first thing we have to point out after, before you read it, Madison, the first thing we have to point out is that it's literally Emily Dickinson-style pressed flowers on the the page styling it so this was published december 6 2017 so post reputation at this point that's really interesting so it reads let go of the ones who hurt you let go of the ones you outgrow Let go of the words they hurl your way as you're walking out the door. The only thing cut and dry in this hedge maze life is the fact that their words will cut, but your tears will dry. They don't tell you this when you are young. You can't hold on to everything, can't show up for everyone. You pick your poison or your cure, phone numbers you know by heart, and the ones you don't answer anymore. Hold on to the faint recognition in the eye of a stranger as it catches you in its lustrous net, how quickly we become intertwined, how wonderful it is to forget, 
all the times your intuition failed you, but it hasn't killed you yet. Hold on to childlike whims and moonlight swims and your blazing self-respect. And if you drive the roads of this town, ones you've gone down so many times before, flash back to all the times life nearly ran you off the road, but tonight your hand is steady, suddenly you'll know the trick to holding on was all that letting go. Whoa. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Oh my god. That is so good. So, 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 so good. Like, truly so slept on in the queer community as a whole. Like, that's the thing, like, that's so devastating about this is that, like, I truly think that that is one of the poems that, like, would be passed around as, like, you know, an intrinsic explanation of, like, the pain of being and the pain of growing up. Um, like, the pain of, like, young adulthood. Like, that would be passed around all the time, but it's, like, because of this debilitating public persona that her management and, like, you know she has been complicit in creating for like most of her childhood early adulthood like she's seen as so shallow and having nothing to say like with like this could not be farther from shake it off as the lead single bad blood as the single like like it could not be farther that's crazy yes exactly and it's just like it's so painful that like we have something so beautiful and raw and affecting that has not been able to be appreciated by people yeah it's very strange to me that this was just like published in a British Vogue like I feel like this should be in like a novel somewhere in like her own or like her own poetry book do you know what i mean like i'm like why are you just throwing this into a british vogue issue i'm so confused i know know. and it was in lieu of an interview for her cover right like why is this attached after you just wrote reputation like it's so confusing if you're if you're an outsider of like just kind of looking at her career like you know Exactly. Exactly. Like, this is not the tailor that I've been told about. This is the tailor that I'm discovering every single day, and I have been discovering every day for the last two years as I've been a gayler. But, like, literally, where is this representation of her? Right. Where... Where is this disconnect as to, like, who we think she is? Like, even Swifties, even people that are following her every word, her, like, every action, they, like, they seem that these so weirded exist. out. <laughs> exactly. And they, still, I see Swifties all the time in, like, those hellish times that I accidentally run into random, like, Hitlers oh, and Swifties God. online. Like, who are, like, so weirded out by the folklore ever more aesthetic. And, like, are so weirded out by, like, her being, like, sad, like, being, like, sad girl, blah, 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 blah. And 
I'm just like, where have you been? No, that's so sad. Yeah. I feel sad for them that they're... <laughs> so what are some of your favorite... Like, what what is this poem to you? Because it, like, really wowed me. I would say it's such a slow build. And then the final two lines are killer. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. a good poem that, like, answers itself. That, like, calls and then, like... Yes. What's the... Calls and responds? Um, yeah, call and response, yeah. I also love um, the line, all the times your intuition failed you, but it hasn't killed you yet. Because that also kind of sums up the trick to holding on was all that letting go, too. Like, those kind of imply the same philosophy, so I really like those. Um, a lot of this is just interesting and cryptic. Like, hold on to the faint recognition in the eye of a stranger. I guess that could... It makes sense now that I read it more out loud. It's like, hold on to what the fans see in you. The recognition that you get from, like, being in the public eye. Hold on to the times it felt good to be in the public eye. And then it is like, as it catches you, and you're stuck in its net. Like, and now you're intertwined with it like I don't even think that the whole intertwined is about a person I think it's about fame completely because that's what the lustrous net is like I'm literally picturing like a glittery shiny fishing net like beautiful Mm -hmm. like but deadly like literally what's going to like like a gold rush yeah like so attractive a gold Mm -hmm. rush a gold rush how quickly we become intertwined. How wonderful it is to forget all the times your intuition failed you, but it hasn't killed you yet. Like, oh, what the fuck? That is beautiful. She answers herself again here. It's almost like another call and respond because she's like, see how the fame catches you and it gets you and you're stuck. But also hold on to childlike whims and moonlight swims and your blood. Like, you still have this also, though. Like, I love when she does, like, multiple realities being true and just, like, calls and responds in that way. It's so good. It's so good. Like, in happiness. Just because the fishing net. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this is more palatable for me than happiness. (laughs) Yeah. That's valid. Happiness. Happiness, I mean, as I said. It's a, a little lot. drama. I also it's just like, like I love. It's like mm. intense. She's so blunt in yeah. happiness. Too blunt for me, mm-hmm. frankly. Your acid tears on the pillow where you used to lay your head. Like my acid tears head, yeah, exactly. on your pillow. What the hell? She's crazy. Oh. I know. <laughs> she is crazy. She is crazy. What are... Acid Tears is violent. Yeah. That was like that holes was or cigarette for. burns are being yes, burned exactly through the pillow. What yeah. What are yeah. your favorite parts of this? Well, definitely, definitely the 
how quickly we become intertwined, how wonderful it is to forget. I love, love, love that little four line in the middle of that stanza. Um, I also love they don't tell you this when you are young. You can't hold on to everything, can't show up for everyone. Um, it's, it's interesting because the kind of, it's so jagged at that part. Like it really, it really like, it gets very personal. And the, um, one of my favorite things when I'm writing my own poetry is I tend to really love making the stanzas look on the page as like very kind of uniform, um, like, especially because she was like, this isn't spoken. Like, this is visual. Like, it's so important to remember, like, is someone a spoken word poet or are they writing things? And this was exclusively to be put in a magazine where it will be read um, on the page. So, like, all of the stanzas have, like, the same kind of endings for the most part. Like, nothing's too intense except for the line or your cure. That is like the shortest line in it. It goes, you pick your poison or your cure. And like that to me jumped out as of course, don't blame me. Like my drug is my baby. Like it's a poison, but it's also a cure. Like they want, like she wants you to focus on that kind of jaggedness that like it might be a poison. This thing that I love might destroy me, but it also is a cure. Whoa. I didn't even notice that. It really is so tiny. And it's so yeah. emphasized and ominous. It, exactly. Like it could have easily have been you pick your poison or your cure, but she breaks it up so that you like have to like trip on it basically yeah she's really asking us to to, she's asking us to realize that things can be both yeah oh this brings me back to like her um addiction and like alcohol references to oh clean yeah, oh, I mean, I feel I like, just, I, yeah, yeah, that kind of like juxtaposition and like seeming contrast of like when I was drowning, that's when I could finally breathe. Like picking a poison is also like you're also picking a cure. Like right. you can do that at the same time. Yeah. Oh, and then like saying right after that phone numbers you know by heart and the ones you don't answer anymore. Like she's like phone numbers you know by heart now because that's your current poison slash cure. Mm. And the ones you don't know anymore, which are like your old poison slash cures. Like it's all the same. It's all a poison and a cure or <gasps> Okay. Yes, but also it's so funny because it's not the ones you don't know anymore. It's the ones you don't answer anymore. Oh, don't answer anymore. You're right. You're right. So it's like I still haven't forgotten them. Yeah. And they haven't it's forgotten like, me. It's like truly. They're going. <laughs> they're going. <laughs> like I still know this by heart. I just don't answer the call anymore. Mm. And think about that with like addiction. I don't know. 
like mm. finding another fix instead of the last one wow. just replacing wow, it wow 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 yeah like if you're going to be an addict be addicted to something else something better yeah yeah, yeah. Ugh. it's interesting it, she wrote this specifically for the magazine I didn't see that part wrote exclusively for the magazine so it's not like it was just picked from her poems and thrown in there. I guess I should have assumed that it was written for it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like... in lieu of an interview. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, truly sh- that the fact enough. that she... <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, I-, I just feel like, you know how reputation ends with there will be no more explanation only reputation like Mm -hmm. her literally responding to British Vogue being like can we do an interview for your cover and she just sends this cryptic poem (laughs) her being like here's an explanation (laughs) but yeah yeah exactly you have to decipher like the Zodiac killer sending clues (laughs) literally (laughs) I can't she really is though Hiding the messages in there. She may as well be, like, collaging magazine cutouts and, like, letters. No, actually. Yeah. Really. And it is kind of ransomy, too, because it's typewriter. So, like, there's no handwritten. You know what yeah, I mean? exactly. The little tape yeah. flowers. It's creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's creepy. I like it. I love it. Um, shall we move on to the next one yes okay so I'll read the next one do you should it be if you're anything like me or why she disappeared I say we do why she disappeared first because anything like me is very queer so I want to save oh and you want to read it oh no 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 I don't care about reading it I wanted to save it for the last one though I love that. Okay. Why she disappeared. When she fell, she fell apart. Cracked her bones on the pavement she once decorated as a child with sidewalk chalk. When she crashed, her clothes disintegrated and blew away with the winds that took all of her fair weather friends. When she looked around, her skin was spattered with ink, forming the words of a thousand voices. Echoes she heard even in her sleep. Whatever you say, it is not right. Whatever you do, it is not enough. Your kindness is fake. Your pain is manipulative. When she lay there on the ground, she dreamed of time machines and revenge. And a love that was really something, not just the idea of something. When she finally rose, she rose slowly, avoiding old haunts and sidestepping shiny pennies, worry of phone calls and promises, charmers, dandies, and get love quick schemes. When she stood, she stood with a desolate knowingness 
waded out into the dark, wild ocean up to her neck, bathed in her brokenness, said a prayer of gratitude for each chink in the armor she never knew she needed. Standing broad-shouldered next to her was a love that was really something, not just the idea of something. When she turned to go home, she heard the echoes of new words. May her heart remain breakable, but never by the same hand twice. And even louder, without your past, you could never have arrived, so wondrously and brutally, by design or some violent, exquisite happenstance, here and in the death of her reputation, she felt truly alive. Well, okay, so what are your thoughts on that one? I think that... Um, congratulations, and you should take her to Big Sur. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I definitely think the there's a really interesting part that says standing broad shouldered next to her. Just that line. Standing broad shouldered next to her. Yes. Exactly. It's like I think that's really something because how many times have you literally described the way that she walked with Carly Kloss being proud, standing up straight, broad shoulders. Yep. Yep. Yes. The only time her posture's ever yes, been. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <sighs> I know. Not my cat meowing, please, queen. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that that line. Sorry, that really just stuck out to me, and I couldn't think about anything else. But um, Fairweather Friends is such an interesting description. The winds that took all. Of I have to say, I hate. I really do not like the first couple of stanzas of this. They're I know, very. It does like, feel a little like the. What's her name? Rupee Cower. Rupee. <laughs> yeah, yeah Ru- Rupee Cower. Yeah. yeah, it feels a little like No, exactly. Like as I was reading it, I was like, uh, yeah, Tumblr for sure. And this is, of course, her Tumblr era, so. This was her Tumblr era. That's why I'm like, but I really do like that line. The winds that took her fair weather friends. I like that little. Yeah. Like. Um, I like that, too. I think what kind of got me was the um, when she looked around, her skin was spattered with ink, like forming the like that stanza being about her relationship with the media. I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, Taylor, please. That sounds like one of those um, no hate commercials where it's like the duct tape. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God, please. Please. <laughs> and it says like no hate on it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Yeah. I am so sad to tell you I of course know what you're talking about. I wish I didn't. <laughs> I wish I could never remember those. But yes, of course. 
I think I did that when I was like a kid. <sighs> I can't. Bitch, of course I did too because we were both good allies. Exactly. I'm a good ally. That's why. Yes. <laughs> See, allies love to cover their face in duct tape and be like, yeah. no hate. Exactly. What did that you really think brings about? me back to when I caused like. I just remember what? when I caused a huge fuss when I was the president of my, you know, the straight ally president of my gay straight alliance or whatever. I just remembered, <laughs> literally, I went to a fucking driver's license test. Not test. Um, driver's. What's it called? Driver's ed. I went to a driver's ed on the day of silence. Okay. And like our <laughs> teacher. Our teacher was, like, very homophobic. Like, he would see signs for... He wasn't hired by the school. He was, like... It It was, like, a company, like, a driver's ed company like that just party, hosted yeah. at the school. A third party. So he's just this random man. And he was so homophobic. Whenever he, like, saw a flyer for, like, the Gay Street Alliance, he'd be like, uh, okay. Like, that's a little weird. Or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Okay. And... With the safety of straightness on my side. Right. I, um... As an ally. I literally, like... As an ally, I refused to talk to him because of the day of silence. And I, like, held a little sign that was like, I'm not speaking because it's the day of silence. And that really brought me back to that. It wow. flashed forward just now. It all oh came, my God. came back. Honestly, so proud of yeah. you for doing that. <sighs> Thank you. I'm sure it wasn't easy and against him. Yes. And it's and exactly. it was like Straight valid because it was the day of silence. So Exactly. And thank God straight me did that so that gay me could run. Exactly. Straight you did that so that gay you could could speak. Oh, so true. Now I have a podcast. Exactly. It worked out. That was you manifesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. So true. Just talking about being gay <laughs> all the time <laughs> on your very own gay exactly. little podcast. <laughs> that is so shady, because of the char the charmers, the dandies, and get love quick schemes. Right. Like, why is she doing this to Tom Hiddleston? It's stuff like that <laughs> that makes me be like, is she really with these men? No. Or does she just love the drag of it all? I know, I know, I know. She's playing a character. The charm is the dandies and the get love quick schemes. (laughs) She's like the drunk lady in a corner of a bar talking about like her life and like how far she's come. She's like Avoiding old haunts. I'm so grateful for that. Sidestepping shiny pennies. And everyone's just like, yeah, Barb. That's so, so true. Barb. Oh, Barb. Wow. Um, Still love it, though. I love the drama of it. This is her little character. Oh, Madison, what would I do without your little perspective and reminding me that Taylor plays a character and that characters are what make the world go round? She is a drag queen. Exactly. 
Exactly. Or a drag king, as you may want to say. Drag king. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the day. She does drag. Depending on the day, she does drag. (laughs) She's a verse, I'd say. A drag verse. (laughs) It's depending if it's from the man's perspective or not. If she is going to be the drag king or queen. That's right, yeah. Uh, no, I do love that room. Like you doing your little like drunk barb voice. Oh, I love it. It really is so true. It puts it into perspective, right? Of her writing this and being like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. And also the fact that the only mention stand, the only mention of like a male quality in her lover, having it be broad shouldered, it, it's the gayest line because standing broad shouldered next to her. Yeah. Like, you're the one standing broad-shouldered next to her. That's why it's almost like she's saying the love that was really something was standing broad-shouldered next to her. That's what made her feel like it was really something. Exactly. Why would she talk about herself in... Oh, well, I guess she is talking about herself in third person this entire thing. I'm like, um, doesn't even make sense. Can't use that argument. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's the way that she uses her, again, ending the line there yeah. makes you think, like, it. she's ending the line there so your eye is like, it, it wasn't, it, it, she could have phrased it as next to her standing broad-shouldered was a love that was really something. Yeah, but she's like, standing broad-shouldered next to her. Standing broad-shouldered next to her... That's it. ...was a love that was really something. Yeah. Ah, that's that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That line on Taylor Swift's, like, genius page, I'm like, slay. She was so close. I love that. (laughs) And I have to say, may your heart remain breakable, but never by the same hand twice. And and in the death of her reputation, she felt truly alive. Those mm, peak what I love about Taylor. Like, I love her philosophy. It's all about letting the bridges you burn light the way. And never, ever letting yourself get hardened to love or vulnerability. Ever. Exactly. And letting that exist. Let your in- heart stay breakable. Mm-hmm. You know, also, as I say all the time, the things that I am cringy, like, I, I find cringy about her, and, like, the things she says that I hate, it's just because I fucking relate to them too much, because, like, literally, what, like, I am feeling so in... Echo she heard even in her sleep. Whatever you say, it is not right. Whatever you do, it is not enough. Your kindness is fake. Your pain is manipulative. I'm like, yes, bitch. I also feel that way day and night. <laughs> At least you own the cringe. Like, like, you own why you cringe. People can't do exactly. that usually. And so does she. And she does too. Exactly. So does she. Oh my God. She literally talked about that in her so. NYU speech. Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. Which is another reason why I do think that she's actively listening to the archers because she was like, yeah, bitch, I am cringy. I know you guys say that all the time, but I fucking love it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm here to tell you, Taylor, that I love you so much. (laughs) 
no, yeah. You sh- and you should say it. And you should say it. Yeah. That's just in my opinion. That's me to Taylor after getting the doctor. (laughs) It's my opinion. I need that on the soundboard. Love it. Yes. Um. (laughs) No, yeah, it is cringy. (laughs) But, like, a lot of her music is cringy. And a lot of her writing is cringy. But I feel like that's just kind of her vibe. She likes it. I like it too. I now that I'm I have to like okay, I have to make peace with the fact that I'm a millennial. Um I am silly. I am um a wife guy. Um like there's lots of things about me that are cringy or would be cringy to people. And the thing is is I'm I love those aspects of myself. And it's okay to cringe. It's okay for things to be cringy. Embrace the cringe. That's what Taylor says. And I'm going to try to live by that more. So it's like, yeah, when I'm cringing about that first couple of lines, I don't want to meet her with anger. I don't want to meet her with, like, putting victimization onto her. Because guess what, bitch? I feel that exact same way right now in this very moment. I feel like my bones are cracked on the pavement I once decorated as a child. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Not your rep era. (laughs) Bitch, do you know how much I've been thinking about me being in my rep era? Yes. Oh, my God. I also think about the fact that she has to make this palatable to, like, her larger audience, like, the general public. And honestly, no one is taking the time to read poetry. So she's like, how do I make this something that the girls will, like, cry over? And it had Uh. to sound like Rupee in order for it to get that. You are so right about that. You are so right about that. This is the same person that wrote Ivy. Like, (laughs) Wow. I think that another thing, too, is if she was on Tumblr and reading Tumblr poetry, like, it gets in your mind. Like, it gets, like, that cadence (laughs) gets in your mind. (laughs) And, like, she could have very well have been feeling this 100%. You know what I mean? Not the Tumblr poetry cadence. (laughs) Yes! I'm not wrong. (laughs) It's an illness. It's literally an illness. And I I did have it. It's an illness. Sometimes I still have it. It's okay. I still do. Yeah, me too. Recovering of user of, of Tumblr poetry cadence. Is aren't we all? You know, aren't we all? Yes. Um. I didn't know that the Rep Magazine was Target exclusive. That's funny. <laughs> me neither. Target always has like the best things. Like we have the Target exclusive vinyl that's pink and blue. You of Lover, that? it's so great. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. Target also had the New Romantics and Wonderland deluxe version of 1989. Oh, and You're in Love, but like insane. <laughs> yeah. Mostly it's Wonderland. When it's you and me talking, it's just Wonderland and New Romantics. Exactly. That's why I didn't bring it up. I forgot. We have listeners. 
exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't actually hate that song that much, but I kind of do. No, 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 no. You can feel it. I appreciate what it contributes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it like, has added a lot to gay lore, if you will. So. Yeah. <sighs> I tried to do a Taylor Swift song, um, like, Ranker the other day with all of her songs. All of them, even like Hunger Games songs and like Christmas songs. Um, what? Why would they it, include Christmas songs? I don't actually know if it, Christmas songs were on there, but it was like all of them. Right. Yeah, I don't okay. think Christmas Tree Farm was on there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got about like twenty five percent of the way through it, and it had been like twenty minutes, and I was like, I think I'm over this, so I stopped. But it was funny because as I was doing it, I was like noticing which ones I was choosing over the other ones. And you are in love. Oh yeah, would have yeah. been at the fucking bottom of that list, like bottom. Like, yeah, asking yeah. me about it, and I'd be like, <laughs> like wow. I would literally rather listen to like stay, stay, stay thirty times. Like, I know, I know you would. I love that song. I know you do. But I think we should do it one day. Like, not on the podcast, but but maybe do it one day and reveal our, like, bottom. What our list is? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. It's a lot. That would take me all day to do, because I would want to listen to every song. My cat is like seeing ghosts right now. <gasps> She's legit like jumping around. There's not, I don't see any bug. She's like fighting a spirit. Oh. Oh, Chanel. No, like literally, she looks insane. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, that reminds me. What? That reminds me. I have to send you a TikTok when we're done. Because I saw a TikTok of someone. And they literally look nothing like you. They speak nothing like you. Their life seems nothing like your life. And I was like, this is Madison. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I love that. I love that. Please send me. Um, yeah I will and something about the way that you just talked to Chanel really cinched it for me because (laughs) they talk to their little dog Sushi at the end and it's like incredible and it's just very much like I just truly (laughs) I'm so intrigued because me and Chanel really do have such a weird relationship (laughs) oh she's so weird Okay. <laughs> Sorry, she's freaking me out. I yeah, definitely. Okay, now she wants to leave. Thanks, Queen, for fighting off the spirit. <laughs> My job here is done. She's like, thanks. Now we get into 
the final poem. The final poem. The genius explanation of this final poem is fucking hilarious. (laughs) Oh, great. Are we going to go into that? I just think it's relevant every time I open this fucking website. Um, I can't stand their explanation. The devil's website. The devil's website, exactly. It's a good thing we're angels (laughs) and we're making a better version, right? Exactly, it's a good thing. Yeah, I can't do this. I don't think it's fair (sighs) that gaylers have to be put through the fucking anguish that is going on genius lyrics and having to see Jake Gyllenhaal's face on a song. Oh my god, yes, exactly. Like, I just don't think Mm. that's fair. (laughs) No, completely I agree. Um, the good thing about this poem is that there is no man attached to the song, thank God. Or the poem, mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus. Um, but it is incredibly gay. Genius describes it as Taylor being honest about her flaws in her past and encouraging people who are going through similar things to stay strong. Oh, great. (laughs) I have very different feelings about it, so I'm very excited. Because this, so if you're anything like me, is like the Taylor reputation poem. It's everywhere. Like, this is the one that's kind of like like, trouted out, trotted out. Yeah, I agree. um, Whenever, like, people are talking about the reputation poems. And to me, it is a return now that we've read her two poems from childhood this poem is a return to that version of herself and that voice i think because like this is the voice we heard i think it's that same voice as the monster one because it's so like calling out for like an answer like it's like is there someone like me is there someone else with a monster in their closet like literally pleading for like a relation or for someone to explain or like understanding exactly to be seen like that it's the same theme as like invisible Hmm. um Okay, so I guess I should read it. <laughs> I can read it too. We could trade off stanzas. What do you think? I would like to like trade off. This poem is intense. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I lo- I love that. Um, do you want to read the first one? Sure. If you're anything like me, you bite your nails. And laugh when you're nervous. You promise people the world because that's what they want from you. You like giving them what they want. But darling, you need to stop. If you're anything like me, you knock on wood every time you make plans. You cross your fingers, hold your breath, wish on lucky numbers and eyelashes. Your superstitions were the lone survivors of the shipwreck. Rest in peace to your naive bravado. If life gets too good now, darling, it scares you. 
If you're anything like me, you never wanted to lock your door, your secret garden gate, or your diary drawer. Didn't want to face the you you don't know anymore, for fear she was much better before. But darling, now you have to. If you're anything like me, there's a justice system in your head for names you'll never speak again. And you make your ruthless rulings, each new enemy turns to steel. They become the bars that confine you in your own little golden prison cell. But darling, this is where you meet yourself. If you're anything like me, you've grown to hate your pride to love your thighs and no amount of friends at 25 will fill the empty seats at the lunch tables of your past the teams that picked you last but darling you keep trying if you're anything like me you couldn't recognize the face of your love until they stripped you of your shiny paint threw your victory flag away and you saw the ones who wanted you anyway. Darling, later on you will thank your stars for that frightful day. If you're anything like me, I'm sorry. But darling, it's going to be okay. <sighs> See, this is where... This is the thing. It's like this is this is the type of poetry that can exist as like a very sweet medium between like hyper detached like modern poetry, like contemporary poetry, yes. and Tumblr poetry. Yeah. <coughs> because it's totally still agree. using a very unique cadence that is very reminiscent of her earliest poetry like this is this says to me that this is like extremely earnest and genuine of of it because it's like the same type of it's just it, it's such a unique but not like it's it's it, it it's not forced at all you know what i mean Mm-hmm. it's where yeah I don't know I just I really love the way that this poem flows it was really nice to read it back and forth like that yeah and there's it just really certain does sound aspects like, of it like it just sounds like a quick journal entry but like one that turned out really good mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> that it's right. just that exactly. natural like it's just like like very light editing like, there were no cross-outs, no scribbles. It was more like changing a word. Like, you know, it was, it was like, maybe going back and adding the darling to every single stanza. Like, very light editing. Like, she probably wrote this in, like, a day. You yeah. know? And, like, that... Poems like that are always the most, like, organic and, like just like joy bringing in my life mm-hmm. because it's like I didn't have to torture myself to write it it came so naturally and that's really how this poem feels is that it flew from her like flowed from her and it reads really nicely like you said like it just reads nicely and it's not 
You don't like stumble on your words. Like it's just like that's why it reads like a journal entry. I think mm-hmm. it just sounds like a stream of thoughts. Yeah. The part that I found most interesting hearing like out loud is there's a justice system in your head for names you'll never speak again. You make your ruthless rulings. Each new enemy turns to steel. They become the bars that confine you. Is she saying that her beards are are why she's confined in her own little golden prison cell? Wow. Uh, Yeah, let's really go into that. Okay. If you're anything like me, there's a justice system in your head for names you'll never speak again. So that is very, like, I'm immediately thinking, like, um, I have a list and yours is in red underlined. Mm. Like, that is the a manifestation of her justice system. Is like, yeah. this little list that she keeps in her head. And, um, like, for her names karma. that you'll never speak again. So it's... Like, how she decides... Her karma. Mm-hmm. And you make your ruthless rulings. Like, that is very tough on her like the idea that she's ruthless in how she views people when I truthfully don't get that vibe from her at all like she seems like someone that's a chronic forgiver and I might I just almost... say that as a chronic forgiver what, no, what do you agree think with you I do I do agree that that's what mm. she seems like but I think that that line is more of her being like I've had to make really tough decisions that I didn't necessarily always want to make. And that's why they were ruthless. Like ruthless Uh. rulings being like, I've had to break things off or I've had to leave people because of this Uh. justice system in my head that decides that that's wrong of me or decides that my career matters more or like whatever it may be. Do you know what I mean? Like, Right. Weighing, yes. weighing what it's worth to be involved with these people that you never end up speaking of again. Do you know what I mean? And then they turn into enemies, meaning that they can use the weakness of you being queer against you, becoming the bars that mm. can find you, you know? I know. So... I find like that so interesting too that she says the enemies turn to steel that become the bars like that I'm following and then she just has to bring in your own little golden prison cell like I just find that so interesting that she like is insisting that it's golden even though she just said steel they're made out of steel it's like she's always trying to drop those gilded cage the golden bird cage references even when it doesn't make sense and then it's just like a weird bait and switch exactly Uh, that makes me even more creeped out about the cage in her graduation tiktok Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even, like, talked about that on the Archers yet, is how, like, insane that the, like, the birdcage filled with books and then the Grammy is. 
and like why that was so prominently and awkwardly featured in her little video like that tiktok truly we could make 18 episodes of the podcast about and like that five TikTok days alone. after we talked about the rebecca harkness book and yes the, <laughs> the yes. birdcage yes yeah, so sweet Taylor, sweet precious Taylor, if you're listening to this episode now, we just want you to know that we did notice all of that, and we yeah. appreciate you sending us these little Easter eggs to us personally when you post TikToks. Exactly. And also, yeah. we fucking love you. Yeah. All of those things, <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for listening. Friend of the Archers. Okay, so, a friend of the Archers. Um, okay, so then, of course, we go into, if you're anything like me, the creme de la creme, the line of the poem. If you're anything like me, you've grown to hate your pride, to love your thighs. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. She said you've grown to hate your pride and <sighs> threw your victory flag away in the same poem. Uh. And said secret garden gate diary drawer. You never wanted to lock your door. This poor little angel. That really struck me. You never wanted to lock your door. Like, I hate that. I hate that. She literally wanted to trust the world and, like, be open and honest and, like, truthful. And now she has to, like, hide away. Didn't want to face the you you don't know anymore. Ooh. This genius actually did a good link. They said it echoes happiness in the disbelief I can't face reinvention. I haven't met the movie yet. <gasps> yes. And if I can't relate to you anymore, then who am I related to? Ooh. Okay, okay. Those are good connections. <laughs> yeah, those are... Whoever contributed that to Genius, thank you. Yeah. Not to mention the... Um, lunch tables of your past like the ladies lunching yes exactly yeah that's so true i just i really like that because she's basically like this is her way to me this is her way of apologizing for doing her little like mm. exclusive squad in 1989 it's like I really thought that having a cute girl gang would really, like, make me feel better about being, like, a weird kid that felt like there was a monster yeah. in her closet. Um, but actually, it didn't make me feel any better. And I know I just made a bunch of you feel bad, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Literally. It's like when the mean girl from high school grows up and she's like, oh, those were never my real friends. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yes. you know? Yes. Yes. Also, your superstitions were the lone survivors of the shipwreck. Does that refer to like? Okay, the so this is actually. 
I think about what? Like, her, what, what, her what? Easter eggs, like her obsession with like dates and like her uh-huh. superstitions and like her weird lucky uh-huh. numbers and like uh-huh. things like May 13th. Like that's an example of maybe uh-huh. a superstition that was a lone survivor of a shipwreck that like the plans never panned out just because she believed that it would. Uh Uh-huh. Like... Exactly. Like, Kayla vibes. Like... Just because you meet on November 13th, 2013, doesn't mean that you're... You know what I mean? Like, she's like, your superstitions are the only thing that kept you believing that, babe. Like... Well, it's so interesting because, like, I am assuming, I am remembering now that we are on the Patreon, so we can talk about this. Oh, did you Um, think I was saying that on the main feed? Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. You saying, you saying Kaylor snapped me back to reality. I I wasn't like, they're saying Kaylor? No, no, no. (laughs) Um, Like, but this is, so I am, November 10th, 2017, like, Kayla is still very much alive and well during this point. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. This is post-wedding. Right? No, it's not. Wedding's 2018. Oh, no. It's not post-wedding yet. You're right. Oh, but the way it ended up manifesting. Well, that's kind of how I feel about everything with her and Carly is the way that it was spoken about and ultimately manifests. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that personally, like, if this had nothing to do with Taylor, if I was just reading this poem completely separate from her, like, just looking at the art, the second stanza, the you knock on wood every time you make plans, Mm. if life gets, and then ending, if life gets too good now, darling, it scares you, that is the stanza that I would take away as being like, this is my lifeblood. Like, this is a stanza mm-hmm. to return to. Because I feel like it perfectly encapsulates, like, the obsessive compulsion that I have for, like, my little magic rituals. Yeah. And, like, how some... When, like, things are really fucked up um, or when things are really hard and painful, it's, like, clinging to these little superstitions mm-hmm. are truly what keep me afloat. Mm-hmm. Like, cross your fingers, hold your breath, wish on lucky numbers and eyelashes. Like, just those desperate clings to little baby things. Like, it feels so compulsive, and Mm -hmm. I relate to that so deeply. It's like when, like... I would love to not knock on wood, you know? Mm -hmm. Or, like, if you, like, see an angel number, and you're, like, having, like, the shittiest week of your life, and you're, like... Oh, yeah, it's fine. But you're like, I know that isn't actually it's me. It's fine. Anything, but, like, it does in the moment because it makes me feel better. So. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it does mean something. It it's does like, mean something. We've exactly. built our lives around being like, it does mean something. But it's like, also, your half, the, half of your brain is, like, talking you out of it meaning anything. Mm-hmm. And then you just get a moment to rest and reflect on everything and you're like how can things mean everything and like i don't even know if i can believe in them mm-hmm. naive bravado mm. exactly wow 
<sighs> That's right, because when you when when you're shipwrecked, anything before, anything that you thought about like hope, and like things working out, or like whatever, when you're at like rock bottom, you're like, how fucking naive of me mm. to think <laughs> that. I would be okay or that this would life would be fine or like whatever. You know what I mean? When you're feeling very yes. like pessimistic. Or like Yes. I'm still in shock that she said you've grown to hate your pride. It breaks my heart. And no one said anything? Like Swifties were just like, anyways. Reputation's such a good album. <laughs> like, <sighs> you've grown to hate your pride, to love your thighs. Did you see that there was again that juxtaposition? I know. What? Well, there was like an added bonus line on. Taylor Nation and it was hold on that was it what (laughs) Taylor Nation um posted this exclusive line like from that was like cut out of the poem and this is what it read Madison, have you lost your mind? What is happening right now? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm fucking kidding. I know! <laughs> I just wanted to use the sound bite. Okay. You wanted to use the sound bite. I also all night have been trying to figure out how to use the I want to kiss a girl sunbite. So I'm glad you ultimately did. However, I will say the specificity specificity mm. of being like Taylor Nation posted an exclusive line. I, I was like, that, that was what? funny. Because Taylor Nation would never. It is That's funny. D- never. Opposite. No, of course. Like, I, I did know you were joking the whole time, but I was like so confused about the... It was just so... Bananas, you're so funny. <laughs> I'm literally just like insane, and like that's what I find funny. Like it's crazy. I know. Um, um, wow. Oh my god, I didn't know Jack was featured on that poem. That's actually how it starts. If you're anything oh. like me, you like women, particularly gay women. <laughs> 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 I, can't. I can't if you're anything like me gay pride makes you you if you're anything like me you wanna kiss a girl <laughs> I just realized something what in one of the one of the stanzas it ends with the teams that picked you last, but darling, you keep trying. This is me trying. <gasps> yes! Shiniest wheels, now they're rusting. 
shiny. Yeah, and then she says, until they stripped you of your shiny paint. Shiny paint. Wow. So a, a lot of the words are really swimming around her mind. That's the other thing that I love about reading her poems and her music and stuff is that she really does have the same little metaphors and words mm-hmm. that are swimming around all the time. Like those are the ones that she's like, this describes it the best. Mm-hmm. And she keeps that theme. Like, and she's so she like, just, yes. Referencing herself. Yes. I would love to see more poetry from her. Like, I almost wish folklore... I guess folklore never more were poetry. I was going to say I wish that they came with, like, poems or something. That would have been magical. What if there was a different poem... Oh, my God. You know what would have killed it? Would have been amazing. If... You know how she did all the different vinyl covers? Yeah. What if every single vinyl cover had an exclusive poem that corresponded with, like, the name of that? Like, because, you know, they all had, like, these beautiful names, like Betty's Garden. Um, Mm -hmm. And the one that I got is Clandestine, Clandestine Meetings. So, obviously, the songs are all, like, lyrics from the songs. Like, obviously, those are lyrics. But um, what if there were, like, little poems, too? That would be cute. That would have, like, that would have been so cute. Like, I see, like, Swifties that um, write poems or, like, short stories based off of songs and, like, use some of the words but, like, make it, like, different in their own thing. And that's kind of how I picture those to be. Like, it would be, like, an extension of the story in a way. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, I would love that. Maybe we'll get a poem for 1989. Because she was, like, in her Tumblr era then, too. Oh, my God. I, I would for, love for that. For Taylor's version. We'd be so lucky. We'd be so, so lucky. Honestly, as long as we get another prologue, like the red one, uh, that was sure. so nice. I loved analyzing that. Mm-hmm. Can you fucking, to this day, can you believe that her bio... The bio she chose for her red era is the Diana line. Yeah. Can you believe that to this day? It's crazy. It's it's, it's crazy. like she makes the albums like like the Taylor's versions like have to do with the muses which she's been doing but like when you look back, like, she really did dress just like Diana. <laughs> and then she dressed just yeah. like Carly. <laughs> yeah. Part of the reason I, like, jokingly totally don't actually think this, think that Diana and Taylor are back together is because Taylor dresses like Diana now, again. <laughs> Like in like the loafers and Amazing. the blazers and like mm. so her whole SNL thing was like off shoulder dresses and then Diana wore an off shoulder dress 
at the show and I was like, please. I was like, remember that time that Lizzie was like, remember that time Lizzie was like, you could heal her mommy issues. (laughs) (laughs) That was really funny. That was really funny. That was like one of the funniest things she's ever said. I agree. Just kidding. I mean, she says funny things all the time, but it killed me. It was one of the funnier things. Especially because she followed it. Heard ever from anyone ever exactly, (laughs) especially because she followed it up with "lol." Why am I like this? (laughs) (laughs) Like she immediately was like, "Hmm." Uh, (laughs) exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Mm. All right, I am getting sleepy. I took an edible. Yeah, it's so late. You have to work tomorrow. Yeah, you almost fell asleep when I went to the bathroom. No, I took an edible when you went to the bathroom, and I'm like, it's hitting. Oh, great. <laughs> Fab. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, not everyone can be, like, peppy like I am when I take edibles. Sometimes um, I am. Okay, but... well, hmm. not when it's this late. <laughs> um, well, honestly, I had the time of my life recording with you today. I loved that we talked about this. And just a few more weeks until we return with season two. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thanks, Taylor. I will. Congrats on season two. <laughs> Thanks. I'm going to take season two to Big Sur. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe season, like, ten will be, like, recording live from, like, Big Sur Gaylor Big Fest. Sir. Where Taylor is performing yes, on the final oh, night. Yes. Oh my god, I cannot wait for in 10 years when Taylor is headlining Gaylor Fest. Yeah, headlining Gaylor Fest. Headlining. Alongside Girl in Red and like Lana. (laughs) Really? Lana? I don't know why I thought of her. I was just thinking of who's been around Taylor lately and I'm like, I don't know, Lana. No, no, no. We, that's the thing. We don't want like a little festival lineup for no. Gaylor Fest. We want intimate, yeah, small room, fifty people. Taylor, yeah, doing like un what is it called? The Nirvana MTV unplugged. unplugged. Yeah. We want Taylor unplugged. Just yeah. a bar stool and a mic. Bar stool and a mic and an off shoulder black dress. Is that so much yep. to ask? Is that so much to ask? It's not even that much. much. Just off the shoulder. No. Like, it's not... Just a... (laughs) Just a bar stool. A 50-person venue. And an off-the-shoulder black dress. And the richest performer in the world. Highest-paid performer. That's The music industry herself. The entire... Her... Doctor. Congratulations. Take her to Big Sur. Congratulations. All right. Well. Well. This has been um, great. It's been lovely. It's been great. Great uplifting um, episode. And very much needed. Mm-hmm. We, we love all of you. We love you gay people yes. in our phones. We love you so much. 
little gay people, I'm so grateful for our community. Me too. And happy Pride Month. Me we too. didn't even say that. Happy Pride Month. We didn't even month. say that because I've learned to hate my pride. Ooh, on theme for for the poem. Yeah. Just kidding. Luckily, I don't hate my pride. I love my pride. No, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, Taylor, you're so funny. Uh, Hilarious. Wow. All right. Get in line. Like... (laughs) I love when it just descends into sound clips. Okay. Happy Pride (laughs) Month. We love you so much. And until next time, please, if you can just do one thing, please stay, stay, stay. We're not asking that much. Just stay, stay, stay gay for Tay. That's it. And good night. That's all we want. And a little off the shoulder. That's it. And no, it wasn't a mansion. (laughs) And while we're here, thanks so much for asking. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a mansion. And yes, I Mm. did have kitchen table bills. Yes, and the living room dancing. We danced all night in that living room. Yeah. Like, Like the Kennedys. Yes, like Starlight. My, <laughs> that's the thing. People don't listen. I only started writing. Taylor only started writing fiction at Folklore. Taylor did spend the summer of 1945 with Bobby. She did have 12 children. She did teach them all how to dream. And no, it wasn't a mansion. <laughs> no! Even then, uh, even in 1940, it wasn't even a mansion. No. Those 12 children shared beds. And yes, at the wedding, the bride yeah. was willing to risk it all. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought it up. We gotta get out of here. Okay, good night. <laughs> Bye. You should stay.